Welcome back to this episode of 30 Sports Talk for Fans by Fans. Brian here. I got Alex with me. How you doing, Alex? Feeling vexed and ready to go, man. Got my shot this week, so I'm in good mood, spirits. Cool. For now, we'll see how that catches up on you. But for everyone else, hopefully you guys are doing good. Uh, thanks for listening. Getting close to 1,300 listeners now. So please help us push out the uh, content. Hitting that share button helps us out a lot. Uh, hitting that subscribe button lets you guys see when it pops up there. So you don't have to pay attention to our social media to tell us when the new episodes are coming out. So all that would be greatly appreciated. This week, we're going to cover the NFC North breakdown, the usual with what we've been doing these last couple episodes of breaking down the uh, the teams, their offseason, uh, the predictions, and some fantasy football talk. So we're going to start, obviously, with uh, the standings for the NFC North. So last year, the Packers finished 13-3. and The Bears, 8-8, and still being into the playoffs at 8-8. and Lions at seven and nine, and the Detroit Lions rounded out at five and eleven. So we're gonna start with the Lions first, since we usually start with the worst team and build the that other way. With the Alex or Alex with the Lions, they're uh, pretty much starting a rebuild, which is unfortunate because they've kind of probably since we've been alive, they've been kind of like in a rebuild kind of mode. Unfortunately, um, they're trying to bring a new culture, obviously with a new coach, uh, Dan Campbell. But, you know, the big thing was letting Stafford move on and bring in Jared Goff with some additional draft picks. Um, so, it's, so it's quite obvious the rebuild's in full effect. But, Alex, I guess the big question I have for you is, with this Lions roster the way it is right now, what are the bright spots on the roster that fans have to look forward to? Because, obviously, we, we have to be realistic. It's not a contending year. So what do we have to look forward to on this uh, Lions team, Alex? Oh, man, that is, that's, a, that's a big question. I don't know about the roster, I think I think I can say right now they have some type of flexibility, and you can think about it this way: they got Jared Goff. Um, we've had conversation about Jared Goff whether he's a he's a true upgrade for the Rams or a true downgrade for Detroit. But you got those extra picks from the Rams, so you can think about it this way: you can think about it. Hey, you give Goff a year. If Goff isn't the guy, you have enough picks to go up to maybe get a, a future quarterback. Or if Goff is the guy. You got some picks you can really do, you know, really build around this roster and infuse this roster with a lot of young youth. So um, they they got some flexibility as far as their future is concerned. The only thing about it is you're still kind of in that in that middle area of you don't know where you're going, whether you're going to a true rebuild or maybe you're just kind of flipping some of the rosters to kind of go back up. I personally think it's a true rebuild. Um, they got some, some holes on their team, but um, we'll see what happens this year. All right, so, uh, you know, a couple of things to look forward to, obviously, starting with their draft. Well, actually, I guess starting with their coach, Dan Campbell, bringing him in from the Saints, kind of a, a culture guy, uh, trying to motivate players. So we'll see what he brings to the to the team as the season goes on. Am I going to um, be the only person upset if he doesn't bite the ankle of an opposing coach this year? Because I'm looking forward I, to that. Yeah, like, I, I'm i hoping it's actually kind of, you know, like, you know how Mike Vrabel is, how, like, he's actually, like, a big dude that'll actually like start stuff. Like I'm actually hoping it's kind of like that. Like he's actually going to back his actions up. Um, Cause what, what else is there to look forward to if you don't have a coach like that? So you need something. Hopefully that does happen. Getting to the draft, uh, Alex, I, I think the big one that we all talked about is uh, Panay Sewell, the tackle um, who's all, who's actually been struggling this preseason, but I, I'm sure he'll hopefully turn it around. We'll see as it goes on. 
Is there anyone outside of him that the Lions fans have looked forward to in terms of draft picks that could uh, have an impact this year? Well, I think Panay Sewell was an opt-out. So I'm start, we're starting to find out some of these opt-out players kind of look like they're rusty, not ready for football. So I'm not too surprised with that. Um, I like actually the heart of their draft. I thought they got some some nice players. I thought they looked like they built rebuilt the interior of their defense with uh, Levi Osorike from Washington and Blue, Lee McNeil from North Carolina State. So they got some bulk in the middle. You know, they traded Brockers, so they had to rebuild the inside of that. And uh, Melifonu, the corner from Syracuse, whose brother got drafted, I believe, out of UConn by the Raiders. Um, Melifonu has kind of been one of those kind of cover three long corners. So he has the tools. We'll see what happens with them. And then um, being a Notre Dame fan, I hate him, but he's still a good play, player. And Amon Ross say Brown, he might be the next UFC wide receiver to come out and kind of do something. And they've kind of lost some wide receivers uh, through free agency. So I'll look for him to see if he can step up and kind of fill that void. All right. Uh, getting into the free agency part, I guess, or the just transactions part. So I guess the team, they did make some transactions. Um the Jared Goff trade was interesting, flipping Goff for Stafford and taking on two first-round picks. One of the picks is really for taking on the salary. Um, so they have that. Um, Alex, what other uh, transactions do you see that can make an impact this year that the, the Lions had? I know you already talked about Brockers, but what else? The sneaky Jamal Williams uh, coming over from Green Bay. Um, Detroit desperately needs a running back. I don't know if Jamal Williams is going to be your everyday down back. But the fact that they're one of the worst rushing def- uh, offense, they definitely need a back. Um, they moved on for Kerryon Johnson. And I think Kerryon Johnson with the Eagles, he's already out the league now. So um, they kind of need a guy like that. Um, Tyrell Williams, he's a sneaky little sign, especially when you talk about somewhere like Detroit, a place in Detroit where you're not going to get a lot of big free agents. And if you do, you're severely overpaying for them. You got to kind of sign guys to kind of under the rail- radar. Tyrell Williams has kind of been that in the NFL. Uh, he's kind of been one of those kind of under-rhetoric type of guys. Um, and then, obviously, um, they need a cornerback help. Uh, Quentin Dunbar, if you could get past his off-field issues that's going on, he actually was an okay cornerback for the uh, for the Washington football team. And uh, people remember Robbie Coleman uh, from that playoff game. Um, but they kind of did their best to kind of, you know, rechange their, their interior, their defensive line you know, with Brockers, but they've also approved that they're secondary. Yep. Um, I, th- I think some of the wide receivers between Perryman and Tyrell Williams are kind of interesting because you're bringing in two high high injury risk wide receivers um, with a quarterback that maybe was a system quarterback, didn't really work well under Fisher. You know, Williams is a good kind of third down change of pace back. With Swift is going to get the the primary bulk of the carries there. So it's a lot of interesting stuff the Lions are doing to kind of patchwork a team together. It seems like they're kind of just kind of building through the offensive defensive line and patching the rest in and hope the rest works. So uh, it's going to be a tough year for them, but there should be a little bit of intrigue. The things that they lost, though, kind of, you know, are, you know, it's hard to say that uh, Tyrell Williams and Perryman is going to be an upgrade, an upgrade over Marvin Jones and Kenny Galladay. So, uh any other losses besides the wide receivers and Matt Stafford uh, that you're tracking, Alex, of, of impact for the Lions? Well, they lost some some defensive help, but when you talk about a defense that kind of struggling at times, it's not that much of a drop-off. 
they tried to see what they get out of Desmond Trufant. Um, obviously, he's, he's moved on. Jared Davis, a guy they drafted highly, they thought he was going to be something. He's moved on. Um, they lost Everson Griffin, but recently he just re-signed back with the team. Um, and then you're also looking at, I talked about the running back situation and all, they got rid of Kerryon Johnson and Adrian Peterson. Um, he was their main back last year. He's still out there. Uh, I don't know how much Adrian Peterson has left, um, but he didn't get re-signed by the team. There's a lot of old backs out there like Frank Gore and what, Le'Veon Bell and a couple other ones out there. Todd Gurley. Gurley. Yeah. Yep. It looks like it's all, it's over maybe for them. There's a lot of young infusion of talent coming in. Uh, I guess we'll make, maybe their guys will get signed during the season or something. Uh, but yeah, so those are kind of the big additions and subtractions for the Lions. Uh, is there a transaction that you like the most that the Lions made, Alex? You know what? I like the fact that they drafted Penesu. I know we already talked about he's kind of struggling a little bit. Um, but I think so many teams today is kind of really think look look at the offensive side doesn't really matter. Um, if you want a quarterback to stay upright, especially someone like Jerry Goff, you're going to have to protect him right. So I think he's a cornerstone tackle that, you know, if he pans out, he's going to be there for 10, 15 years. So I really love that pick. It was actually the same one I had. I, I, I like him being moved into as the right tackle, kind of a – I know he's usually a left tackle, so hopefully, you know, changing positions does matter. So hopefully that doesn't mess him up too bad. Maybe that's what's causing issues is sliding from left tackle to right tackle. Um, but, I, I, you know, I pick that too. So I'll go with a backup one. Uh, I, I like the Jamal Williams signing. I think it's a sneaky good signing to be a kind of a good compliment, uh, good second back to DeAndre Swift because Swift does have some minor injury history. Um so having Williams in, I think the big thing for the Lions is building through the trenches, uh, establishing a running game, you know, because wide receivers aren't going to be as reliable as a running back. So I think it's a good, it's a good cheap signing, um, if anything, just to see how it kind of pans out. Transactions that you did not like, Alex, is there one that you did not like? Didn't like the head coach hiring. I, I did not like him. Um, but I understand when you're in Detroit and you're in a bad organization, you tend to breed bad things. Um I liked his attitude. I understand what they're going for to try to kind of tank change it. Um, but I think there were other coaching candidates out there, particularly offensive, defensive coaches, uh, coordinator co- uh, out there that they could have went with. But who knows? It may have been a situation where maybe someone like Robert Sala wouldn't answer and pick up the phone because it's Detroit or Eric Bieniemy over to Kansas City. It might have been a situation he didn't want to go somewhere like that. So you also have to look about look think about that you know behind the scenes, but um, he, 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 you're gonna, we're gonna find out what he's made of. You know, he's, he's talking about being a kind of a tough school offense and defense. Maybe there might be something that they're looking for and they need, but right now, we really don't know anything about him. He's kind of like the Joe Judge hire a couple of years ago. Joe Judge kind of seems on the outside that he might be working out. So it could, maybe it might work out, but that one had me scratching my head. Joe Judge has kind of lost that locker room, so I'm not sure how that's going to pan out. Can't, we'll see with Campbell also. It seems like – I mean, I feel like sometimes you can see when coaches are fall guys. Um, this feels like a fall guy coach, just like the Texans coach uh, feels like a fall guy. Um, you know, you, you do have some of these guys come up that are – like Brian Flores is a phenomenal, you know, big good culture guy, um, good coach. Uh, I'm not sure if Dan Campbell is going to fall in that mold. But as a coach, man, Alex, if you're Robert Sala, between the Jets and Lions, 
I know you, this is a weird thing to say, but you probably prefer being a coach of the Jets than the Lions, right? Because you get to pick your quarterback and you, you know, you have a little more to start with. But, you know, you, you would pick the Jets or the Lions, right? If you had to, if you had to pick a team as a coach. Oh, I'm picking the Jets. The Jets is still a big market there. So it's still New York. I'm picking New York Jets all day. Yeah. Um, so my transaction I did not like is the transactions they did not make. Um, they did not help their secondary at all. This secondary is going to be the worst secondary in football. Um, they were either number 31 or 32 last year. Um, they were dead last in yards allowed and points allowed per game. And it's not going to get better. So they let uh, Trufant go, which I know he wasn't really the answer in the previous year. And, you know, they let their, um, what's his name, go to the Eagles, who's been there for a while, uh, Darius Slay. So, you know, you got, you know, Akuda and, and the other ones that Alex mentioned there, and they all graded as the worst corners in football. So you, that's a lot of trust to have. Um, and also your, the safeties there too were graded as the worst almost safeties in football. It, it's going to be bad. I don't know how you don't add at least something. Um, I guess you're hoping they develop, but it's it's uh, not looking good on the back end for them. Uh, for the cap space, they have 18 million available this year. They have 21 next year. Um, there are some giant contracts next year with uh, Trey Flowers, 24 million. Jared Goff's making 31 million. The left tackle Decker's making 19 million. Um, Aquara, the uh, pass rusher, they rewarded him. Uh, 14.5 million. I think linebacker Jamie Collins, 13 million. So they actually have for a team that's rebuilding, they have some big contracts. It's kind of odd. So this is going to be one of those things. I think it's going to be like a three or four year thing that they're going to see through that. You know, they got to trust the coach. They got to trust this whole process through. Um, it's going to be tough lines fans buckle up. Um, hopefully the Red Wings come back. Hopefully the Tigers come back. Um, hopefully Michigan comes back. Michigan football. I don't, I don't know. But and the Pistons got Kate Cunningham, so that's something. Oh my God! Do, do they have the worst city in sports for all the teams? Like naming those teams, not a team is is even average. They're all bad. Like the Tigers are the best of them, and the Tigers have a coach AJ Hinch who was a cheater recently that won a championship for the Astros cheating, and that's the best thing they have going for them. So, sorry, yeah, line. I Sorry, yeah, truck, man. I, yeah, I don't, I don't, I can't think of a t- of a city off the hand, especially that has all four major sports in it. Yeah, I, I can't <laughs> think of one that has a worse situation. At least you, in like out one of the four major uh, sports, you're looking at at least one, one one city have at least a decent team. But I mean, I don't think any of their teams are going to make the playoffs like next year. No, none of them are going to be five hundred. Um, man as a fan base, you gotta, you gotta kind of embrace that Bill's culture. You need to build some kind of personality identity or something, because if you have nothing else to really look forward to sports wise, it's, it's not fun. Like we've all been hey, there. It's not fun. So hey, good luck. they have something to look forward to Thanksgiving what? day every year. Oh my God. That's not something to look forward to. That's, that's not, uh, I, I almost don't like watching Thanksgiving football anymore because of certain games. But anyways, uh, let's get into the fantasy side of the Lions. There are some fantasy players to consider. We're going to start with the quarterback, Alex Jared Goff, number 23 last year, 15.4 points per game. He almost had 14, or he almost had 4,000 yards passing, 26 touchdowns, 10 interceptions, and also five rushing touchdowns. So he had 31 combined touchdowns. 
he's actually projected to slightly improve by some uh, sites, but um, maybe the thing that's going to help them is he's going to play from behind, and I don't think they have a backup quarterback that's really going to challenge him. Like, it's literally Jared Goff or bust. They have David Blow and Tim Boyle as the backup quarterbacks in that roster. Um. Alex, can you? He was twenty three last year. Can you lock him into being twenty or better? Oh man, this is what it, it means when you really think about it. Are we really just thinking golf is strictly a, a, a system quarterback? And even with that, he still was in the twenties. Um, they're going to be behind a lot. You referenced their bad secondary, but bad pass defense. Um. So I can see him racking up the the yards. So I can see him theoretically improving in some areas, but we're talking points per game fantasy wise. So do I can I see him his his turnovers, his fumbles, and interceptions increase and negate that? I can see that too. So he could theoretically throw for more yards, but if he's going to throw for more interceptions, more fumbles, and different things like that, he might just still be around twenty three, twenty five next year. Yeah, uh, I think I agree with you on that. Next, let's move to running back DeAndre Swift, number 17. He only had 500 uh, rushing yards, eight touchdowns, 357 receiving yards with uh, two receiving touchdowns. You know, he's a, a pretty good dual threat. Yeah, but with them adding Jamal Williams, he's not going to be the he's not going to be the primary back for that reason. Um, but he will he should get about 10 carries a game, five targets a game. Uh, Alex, I have him kind of as a solid running back number two this year. No, he's definitely not a running back one. Um, what do you think about DeAndre Swift? I think he ha- he's obviously at the worst, in my opinion, he's going to be a low-end two. I think he has a possibility to be a high-end two. Um, just kind of really depends on how they, they use him, how their backfield goes. That's the thing about new uh, fantasy football in the last couple of years. You have so many split-carry style teams. You kind of don't know how the how it's going to go. Uh, he could. We talked about his, the fact that he might not get as many carries this year. Um, he might split the time with Jamal Williams, or it could be a situation where he's so great that he gets the majority of the carries. Um, but I, I got him right. I mean, he was 17th last year. I think at the worst, he's going to be right where he was. At the best, maybe he 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 sniffs top 15, maybe even sniffs near the tens. Like if he has a crazy year, but. I mean, they're going to be behind most of the games like we talked about. So him earmarking him as a running back, too, sounds about right. All right. Yeah, I, I, you know, I agree with you on that. Um, wide receivers, Brett Perryman, Tyrell Williams, uh, they, you know, they have potential, but I don't think there's enough here to target them outside of like a, a large league, deep bench. Maybe you kind of pick them, maybe take Perryman. Um, do you see any value in taking any Lions wide receiver, Alex, between them or anyone else on the roster? I would not draft any of their wide receivers except maybe Brown in the very late rounds. Um, we talk about last round, next to last round. For the simple fact is we don't know how their wide receiver room is going to go. Um, it could change after week one. It could change during the season. So I personally would kind of hold off maybe on there. You know there's going to be balls. If you're desperate and you need a wide receiver three or four or something like that, and then maybe you might want to look at that. The only thing about it is we already talked about the injury problems. I wouldn't bet anything on Perriman 
<coughs> at all. Um, my guess is Perriman might not be active on the roster for half the year. If he is there on a half year, it'd be a miracle. Um, I just, I, it's just, it's too much iffiness in their wide receiver room right now. I know when we talk about Brown, Brown might be the guy they decide to push near the end of the year, but I'm not drafting anyone high like that. All right. So if we're going to, if we're going to go past catchers, it's clearly the one that goes tight end TJ Hawkinson, number five rated tight end last year. Um, he, you know, he's, he's easily a lock to be a uh, top, top 10 tight end, Alex. Um, I, I think he's clearly the number five tight end. Um, last year he had, he had, you know, I mean, he had a pretty good year and it, he, was, he was with Matt Stafford not being there. Well, actually the Stafford played most of the games, but he had 67 catches uh, on a hundred targets, 700 yards, six touchdowns. Um, and that put him at, I believe the number five or six tight end. Uh, yeah. He's number seven, actually right behind Tanya and Logan Thomas. So um, Hawkinson, if you miss out on the top three tight ends, like we talked about Kelsey Waller and Kittle, he's in that, he's in that next mix. Um, so I, I have him locked in kind of number five, Alex, where, where would you have Hawkinson? You think that's a safe area to kind of put him at? Yeah, I think that's safe somewhere between five and seven. Um, you would think theoretically with the wide receivers kind of going that his, his targets were increased. He had 101 targets last year. Uh, you would think theoretically that he might be the best pass catcher on his team going forward, just kind of writ that his targets are going to go up. So, yeah, I think if you're, you miss out on the top two to three, um, I think he probably is that next tier that you want to look at. Yep. Uh, and then the next part is defense. We're just going to say stay away from the Lions defense. They will be the worst defense in football. Uh, Alex, do you think anyone could be worse than the Lions defense in football, fantasy-wise? Um, Houston. Houston might be giving them a run for their money. Houston's got Houston's got a lucky corner. So with you know Bradley Roby, and they got someone else there. But mm-hmm. yeah. Um. All right. Let's move on to the Minnesota Vikings. Uh, last year they were seven and nine, the eleventh best offense, <laughs> the 29th worst defense, which is very odd from a Mike Zimmer team. Uh, however, the team did great as a 17th best roster. Nine of their 16 games were against playoff teams. Uh, six of the first nine games were against playoff teams, and they started four and five. So they actually weren't too bad. Um, if they would have had a decent defense, they probably I, I could have seen them coming out six and three that stretch and being the playoff team instead of the Bears. Um, so, Alex, did the Vikings management do enough to short the defense for Mike Zimmer to return to having his normal, like, legit defenses? I don't know if they did enough, uh, but they they did enough for them to be a, comp- a, comp- a competitive. Uh, we're going to talk about records, you know, probably later on today. We're going to probably round it up after we finish up all the teams. But in my opinion, there's about four or five teams in the middle of the NFC that are good enough to compete to get a playoff roster, a playoff spot in the wild card. I'd say I put Minnesota in there probably with Dallas, Arizona. Uh, We talked about the South. We talked about Panthers and the Falcons. Those rosters are kind of those middle road type of rosters that you win a couple of games here and there. They're playing each other. This team can clearly go in a different, go in a direction. Um, corner had been their problem. Um, they kind of assigned some cornerbacks. Um, we talked about Patrick Peterson. Question is going to be how much he's got left. And um, Brashad Breeland, he's kind of one of those hit or miss corners. He can play really good at times, and he looked really bad at times. Um, I think them kind of 
you know, retooling their defense a little bit. We talk, um, we'll talk about what they added or whatever. Um, but they they should be good enough to compete in the NFC. Yeah. The thing with Mike Zimmer is he takes average defensive players, average, and he can make them better than average. Um, that's just kind of what Mike Zimmer can do. And that's not saying their team is full of average players, but he is very capable of making average defense perform better than they are. Last year, they they were missing a lot. And they had a lot of injuries. Um, for the draft, Alex, the big draft picks, I think we tracked where Dara saw. We, I think we both really like that one. Kellen Mond, even uh, Davis out of Ohio State. So they made some good additions through the draft. Transaction-wise, Alex, what are some of the big transactions that you saw that they made? Talked a little bit of Bagore about Patrick Peterson being resigned. Um, they also signed Sheldon Richardson, um, the ageless wonder. Um, try to figure out, you know, obviously how much he has left. Dalvin Thomason, one of the better um, interior run defenders. They kind of added on that a little bit. Um, that's going to help them out. Um, we also talked about Rashad Breland and Xavier Woods as a safety from Dallas. He didn't have necessarily the best year last year for Dallas, uh, but he was the kind of guy to have versatility that he could play safety, but he could also kind of slide in and slide and be a slot corner. So um, those are kind of the versatile players that you definitely need for a team like Minnesota that's trying to get some defensive help. Yeah, and I think the big thing for the uh, the Vikings – the best players that are coming to their team besides a couple of those that Alex mentioned were the ones that were already on the team that were injured or opted out. So Pierce, the defensive tackle, that's a stud. He opted out last year because of COVID. Uh, Daniel Hunter, he was injured. Anthony Barr injured during the year. So you're bringing back three good starters and you're adding pieces to this defense. I think this defense, you know, Alex Ray knows this because of the side conversation he's had. I, I'm high on the Vikings this year. I love what they did. The only big losses they had, Kyle Rudolph, uh, Riley Reef, the, the offensive lineman, um, safety Anthony Harris. Who you know that that's one that I think will hurt, and it, that one may show, even though he wasn't very good last year. But you know they added a lot to the team, and with Mike Zimmer there, and the the offense is a stud offense. I love the offensive pieces they have there. Um, that defense game plussed up, like, and I already talked about the very start that they had eleventh best eleventh best offense and 29th uh worst defense so with with those things being said man they can only that defense can only get better um so alex what is the transaction that you like the most that the vikings made um i don't know if i liked it the most but it's most interesting that's drafted kevin kellen mond i knew a lot of people who really thought kellen mond was going to be kind of one of those late round pick quarterbacks that you kind of draft kind of for the future and they kind of drafted him pretty high. They drafted him with a top 80 pick. And you don't draft top 80 picks unless you're playing on, you know, this guy being a franchise quarterback, especially at the quarterback position. So to me, it kind of had my eyebrows raised a little bit, kind of like, okay, are we saying Kirk Cousins is on a on a short leash? Um, because Kirk Cousins, we talked to you just talked about how good their offense was last year. Uh, I would have Thought about, hey, maybe you might want to draft a wide receiver or something else with that. But that kind of raised my eyebrows. I'm really shocked at that. Um, I like Kellen Mond. I don't know if he's going to be the future quarterback of that, but that was one of the ones that I, the, obviously, I know we're talking about best and worst. That was when I went, wow, they drafted that guy. And he could get some playing time, depending on how Kirk Cousins plays out with this whole not getting vaccinated. And he's very strong in his stance about not getting vaccinated. So if he ends up having this time, 
Kalmon could get thrown in there unless it's one of the other quarter. I mean, the quarter other quarterbacks are Jake Browning and Nate, Nate Staley, Stanley. So I'm not really sure if the other quarterbacks would be jumping in in front of them. But the transaction I like the most, Alex, is the Tomlinson one you talked about. He, uh, in terms of grades, he never he never finished better than 17th, but he was never worse than 28th out of all the defensive tackles in football during his four year career. He's on a friendly, avoidable contract. Yes, he is making 10 million for as a as a run stopping defensive tackle, but he still had some sacks. Add him to the line with Pierce and Hunter, uh, with Zimmer being the coach. And I think they're bringing back the other, they're signing the other Hunter, I think, also. Um, to me, that that's a phenomenal position to be in. I mean, you're adding, you're just adding to a strength on that team. I love that Tomlinson signing, even though, you know, 10 people, some people say 10 million a year, maybe a little bit much, but I love it. What transaction did you like the least? I didn't like the fact they had to let Anthony Harris go. Um, I think they could have signed him last year. Um, they would have been a little bit more aggressive. Um, but I understand that based off particularly what money he was probably asking for, it was something they had to let go. But um, they had been doing the song and dance with him for the last couple of years, trying to get him a deal and him going to the Eagles, especially that he's in my Cowboys division. So I'm not too happy about that. Um, but you, you can also think about it this way. Um, they have another really good safety on their t- team too. So do you think that you really have to spend that much money on both safety positions? I can see them saying not so much, but uh, I think they could have probably been more aggressive about resigning him and keeping him. But um, the money they did have this year that they didn't sign for, they did do some good work with it. Yeah. Um, I, I actually agree with you on that one, Alex, uh, for the signing. The the thing with the, the signing is Xavier Woods, I don't think got signed to very much money, but neither did Anthony Harris. So Anthony Harris, like you said, went to the Eagles. Um, he went there on a one-year $5 million deal. If you're telling me that they couldn't come up with $5 million to sign Anthony Harris again, I have a hard time believing that. Uh, he openly said he wanted to come back to the team too. So I, I, I'm kind of curious what the real reason is uh, when he openly advocated of how he wanted to come back to the team. So uh, I think that's going to hurt. I'm not really a big Xavier Woods fan. I know you know him better than I do, Alex, but every time I watch him play, I'm not really impressed uh, with what he's doing back there. And once again, just like I said, the other episode, you let someone walk on one of the worst defenses in football. You shouldn't be, you shouldn't be scrambling to sign him. I would have stayed away from him and try to resign Anthony Harris, who just, who's proven outside of one kind of down year. He's proven that he's a very high end, very productive safety. Uh, cap wise for the Vikings, they have 13 million free this year. So they could have <laughs> once again, signed him next year. They have 3 million available. So they have less money available. However, um, the cap should hopefully go up and fix that situation. A big part of that con, uh, the money Kirk Cousins gets $45 million next year. Uh, the last year of his contract. So obviously that's a lot of money that opens up, um, once they maybe move on from him. I'm not really sure. Uh, getting to the fantasy football side, this is a team that has a lot of interesting parts to to chase, and I, I myself am chasing some of these uh, players on the team. Number 12 quarterback, Alex, you like that? Kirk Cousins, uh, 4,200 yards, 35 touchdowns, only 13 interceptions, 19.1 fantasy points per game. He ended really strong on the season, too. Uh, and I think all that came along with the chemistry that was built <laughs> that was built with uh, Justin Jefferson. Um, with Cousins, after uh, week nine, he had six of his nine remaining games. He uh, had three p- passing touchdowns or more. So I think with Watson not playing, 
possibly this next year. Um, and ahead of him point-wise is just Herbert, Lamar Jackson, Tannehill, Brady. I, I think he can get to uh, being a top-10 quarterback, Alex, uh, with a healthy Thielen and Jefferson. Uh, you know, Selassie so bringing up 12, Alex, do you think he can scratch a top-10, or do you think he's safe for bet to be outside of top-10? Oh, point-wise, I think he could be in the top-10. Um, I think he and Jefferson kind of just scratching the surface of that, that type of uh, chemistry right there. Um, I actually was figuring last year I thought he was going to make a drop because they were losing Diggs. Um, and Thielen's a good wide receiver, but I didn't think D. Thielen could be a top number one wide receiver. But when you got somebody come in like Justin Jefferson and kind of true to be that number one dog, it kind of freed Thielen up a little bit. So, yeah, I think uh, I think he can sneak into the top ten. Yep, let's move on to running backs. Running back last year, number number three running back was Dalvin Cook, a boy. I love him. 1,500 rushing yards, 16 rushing touchdowns, 44 catches, one catch. Uh, or I'm sorry, one receiving touchdown at 24.1 fantasy points per game. So in PPR, only uh, Cook, Kamara, and CMC were above 24 fantasy points per game. So that's a, that's a huge number uh, to be at. Uh, I guess maybe one of the downsides, however, to all these running backs is injury issues. So Cook last year uh, missed two games. So, you know, if you draft him high, where are you going to kind of find that value replacement? But he is someone that you have to take uh, top, you know, top three easily. Um, do you think there's a chance he could replace CMC uh, with Darnold being the new quarterback in Carolina? Maybe something's different in Carolina. Do you think there's a chance Cook could uh, supplant him and be the number one running back this year? The funny thing is going to hinge on both players staying healthy. I think if CMC is healthy fully this year, I think they're they're not stupid enough to kind of move their offense away from him. Uh, I think he'll get his touches. I think CMC and him and Dalvin Cook are going to be neck to neck to me. But like I said, it's based off of health. Dalvin Cook has had health issues in previous years, not that much to where he misses a year or anything like that. But he, he's kind of had a track record of losing, you know, missing two or three games. But even when he plays, he still has a, a high top for for points fantasy-wise. Um, if I'm one of those superstitious people, um, when running backs hit that 300-plus attempt carry type situation or near, near 350, 400, that kind of makes me a little bit scared. Uh, but Dalvin Cook just has not had that much wear on him. So I'm not too frightened on that. So – I think it's it's going to be Cook and CMC this year. Uh, I think Kamara's probably going to make a make a step down. So I think you're looking at one or two. So if you're in a fantasy draft and you're one of you know number one pick or number two pick, I think Cook and CMC are going to be your the guys you're strictly looking at. Yeah, I think to me, uh, man, I, I I'm going to go on a limb. I'm just going to say I think Dalvin Cook's going to be number one running back this year. I think I think just there's gonna be an issue. I don't think it's they're gonna go away from CMC and Caroline. I just don't know if I trust Darnold to do the correct checkdowns and and run that offense the right way. Um, I just think Cook is such a good runner too. I think Cook may be the best running back. Uh, and you know, not when we talk about when we take out the receiving part, I think he may be the best running back in the league. Yes, I get King Henry will just flatten and pancake people, run through people, but Dalvin Cook is so good at hitting the hole. He's so good at breaking tackles. His vision's phenomenal. I, I think Cook is the best running back in football. Um, let's move on to wide receiver. So my boy, who you know is putting me in that situation, Alex, you know that I'm thinking about keeping him now. Justin Jefferson was the number nine wide receiver. 
in fantasy football. He had 88 catches last year, breaking some rookie records with 1,400 receiving yards, seven touchdowns, averaging 70.1 fantasy points per game. And his rookie season, man, it got better as he went on because when he started the year, he did not have a lot of targets at the start of that year. But when he ended the season, it was crazy. Uh, after week nine, he had double-digit targets in all but two games. But before week nine, he only had double-digit targets in one game. So you can see being the number nine wide receiver, only having that real target share in the last nine weeks of the season. Imagine him doing that for a whole season. Um, there's only really like two receiving threats on this team, too. I know, I know, I know the tight end, Irv Smith, he could maybe get some targets, but this is clearly me, Thielen and Jefferson getting all the targets. There's no other wide receivers, and Thielen even has a little bit of, I think, of a hamstring issue right now in the preseason. I think he's a solid number one, Alex. Uh, do you think there's any regression from Jefferson, or do you think it's a safe bet to lock him into being around around a number ten receiver again? So you went out on limb by David Cook, so I'm going to go out on limb on your Justin Jefferson. I think Justin Jefferson is going to be a top five wide receiver this year, points wise. Um, back to what you're saying, he only had 125 targets. I think he's going to have 150, 160 targets this year. Um, his touchdown, he only had seven touchdowns. And uh, Thielen was kind of the touchdown guru last year with 14. Can I see Jefferson have at least 10-plus touchdowns next year? Oh, yes, absolutely. So um, I don't care if you're in a PPR league or a standard league. I think Justin Jefferson is going to make a jump to the top five. Yeah, top five. And that's Adams, Hill, Diggs, Ridley, Hopkins. And there is some regression, I think, coming from Adams and Hill because that was a lot of touchdowns that they had last year. Um yeah, I mean, Jefferson, I could see Jefferson getting 100 catches this year um, and, and at least flirting with being a top five receiver. I hope so, because, you know, I'm, I'm considering keeping him. So the other wide receiver they had there, Adam Thielen, who was the number one receiver that started the year. Um, you know, I, I think, you know, he was number 11 last year, 74 catches, right under 1,000 yards, 14 touchdowns, like Alex said, at 16.9 fantasy points per game. I, I think what you want out of Thielen, even though he was number 11, is I think you need him to be the number two receiver uh, on your team. If you, I don't think you want him to be your, your number one. Um, he had seven games over 20 points last year, but he also had six games under 10 points. So that's a lot of games where he's either boom or bust. So um, he's just like Tyler Lockett we talked about last week. He's one of those guys where I think he's a solid number two wide receiver that can complement whoever your stud one, number one wide receiver is. Uh, I just did my fantasy draft today, Alex. I had Hopkins as my one and Lockett as my number two. So I'm following what we talk about. Um, and, you know, I think it's a solid thing to do to make sure you don't rely on them to kind of tank you certain games. So with Thielen, uh, what do you think about that? Do you think he's a solid number two wide receiver or would you flirt with him being your number one? I wouldn't think about him being number one. I think uh, he's a solid number two. Um, I think he's going to regress a little bit last year, this year coming off. 14 touchdowns is pretty doggone high for him. Um, I can see him kind of regress a little bit. If you're talking about – I just talked about Jefferson getting kind of low to the bulk of the throws. Um, can Thielen, he had 108 targets next last year. Can he get around 100 this year? Yeah. So, I see him being kind of your solid number two. You got him as a number two wide receiver. I feel pretty comfortable about it. So, we're on tight end. Er Smith, I think he's kind of a sleeper pick here. He's never been a better than a top 20 tight end. He's always been behind Kyle Rudolph. If you don't get one of those top 10 tight ends, Alex, is he a guy that you take and you kind of just work with the potential or do you just stay away from him and just kind of pick him up later in free agency maybe? No, I work with the potential because uh, he doesn't have to fight with Kyle Rudolph this year. So he's going to be kind of the guy tight end-wise. 
Um, obviously, they they picked up. Um, they didn't really pick up any other tight ends to kind of flirt with him. Um, this is one of those years with Irv Smith where he's kind of been in the league, kind of got the you know everything kind of working on his body, different things like that. This is the 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 year Irv Smith's got to blow up if he's going to be uh, one of the top ten tight ends or whatever. This is the year that you got to look at. So. Uh, I expect a, a, a bigger year from last year. He's going to have the, the options. He's going to have the targets more. Um, so I, I would definitely draft him. Um, I don't know how far down we're talking about. I don't know if I, I put him in a, kind of that top eight spot. Um, but when you look at the middle of the draft and most all the really good tight ends are gone and, and you're trying to f- find something that maybe you can grab to that kind of gives you some upside, Earth Smith Jr. might be one of those guys. All right, and now moving on to defense. Defense last year was number 27th ranked in fantasy football, 15 interceptions, only 23 sacks, but I think this is the team that has the biggest jump on defense. Zimmer is one of the best, one of the best defensive minds in football, and I think he, you know, he'll turn this team around. I, I, think, I think this team could be flirting with the top 10. Where do you think this defense could finish? Because I, maybe I have them higher than a lot of other people, but where, where would you put them? I wouldn't say top 10, but I think this is a playable defense. Um, this is definitely a, you know, if you're in a deeper league, this is a definitely a defense uh, that you're going to get, I feel you're going to get points off of. Zimmer's always been good at pass rushing D-line, so I expect their sacks to go up a little bit. Um, we talked about their secretary kind of getting revamped a little bit. That's going to be kind of the question. Are they going to be able to take, you know, get turnovers as far as interceptions are concerned, but I expect them to kind of do a little bit better than last year as far as their sack numbers concerned. Um, but I'd say they're playable. They're going to be in that middle range where they're playable, um, they're draftable, maybe not early or anything like that. But if you're in the later rounds and you need a defense, um, you want to take a swing at one, I think they're worth drafting. All right. All right, uh, let's move on to the uh, Chicago Bears as they were the third-place team. The uh, MVP-led Bears last year finished 8-8. Eight and eight. Lost in the wildcard round to the Saints in New Orleans. They finished with the 12th best graded roster. However, their offensive scoring was the 22nd best in the league. Their defensive was 14th best in the league. I guess the thing that's kind of staggering, though, is the Bears were 1-7 against playoff teams last year. But that one win was against the Bucks of all teams. Kind of confusing. Uh, so the Bears, I kind of, you know, I guess... As an 8-8 eight eight team, they're what you expected. They struggle against playoff teams. They do well against teams they should beat, which is why they got eliminated in the first round. Um, and here they are. So, Alex, now they drafted Justin Fields. Throwing this out, I think we talked about this before. You said they've never had a 4,000-yard passer or something like that. But also, the Bears have never had an all-pro quarterback since 1950. So, do you think Justin Fields is finally a quarterback to change Everything in terms of being all pro, in terms of you know throwing for a lot of yards, is he the right quarterback to finally lead his team in the direction that they've been wanting? I, I think he is. I don't know about the all pro thing. I mean, heck, there are some bad quarterbacks who've thrown for four thousand yards. That's why that that stat is staggering that they don't have a four thousand yard passer. Um, I definitely think he's he's good enough to do that. Um, we'll have to see if he's a Super Bowl caliber quarterback to see if that. Sim going for, but I believe in him. I think he's got game. He's got a lot of work to do, but I think he definitely can play. All right, let's get into uh, how their draft went. Obviously, we're just talking about Justin Fields. Uh, I guess the big concerning part about him, Alex, is he was projected at the start of the college year to be the number one or two quarterback. 
or drafted player overall and somehow slid to 11. So they, you know, that kind of right there, some red flags. What did people see? What was on the tape? What allowed him to slide that far? I know there's a lot of talk about things that he needs to improve on, but outside of Justin Fields, Alex, what other moves in the draft did they make that you, that you liked or maybe didn't like? Um, Tevin Jenkins from Oklahoma state that kind of solidified that tackle position. That was kind of a weak situation. They had lost some players and then definitely needed to kind of upgrade that. So uh, I think he's hurt right now, but I think for the long run, he's going to be a pretty solid tackle. Uh, Daz Newsom, they got in the later rounds. Um, he's kind of the running bunny of De'Ami Brown for, with the Washington football team um, in North Carolina. They had a very good wide receiver court there. And then they always uh, – they definitely had some problems at cornerback. So Thomas Graham out of Oregon, um, they got him in the seventh round. I know people who thought he was kind of like a top 120 player. So maybe they steal something with him in the later rounds. All right, moving on to the transactions, some of the moves that they made. The first uh, kind of major transaction is the addition of Andy Dalton. Uh, the, the thing with him that was kind of odd is guaranteeing him the starting job, uh, which then they ended up drafting Justin Fields, probably not knowing they were going to get Justin Fields. However, they promised Dalton the starting job. They're, they're kind of maybe stuck in that position. Um, I know people are wanting Fields to start, but – it's probably the right move for Andy Dalton to start. I, I think Footfields has had moments where it looks good, but it's still those moments are against second and third team defenses. I don't think you want to throw him into the deep end. Um, but yeah, so the, Andy Dalton's one of the major moves. He added Williams running back from the Chiefs. Um, that's a good kind of secondary runner to give the Bears. Uh, so Tariq Cohen can be more so you're receiving back because I think at five foot six or whatever he is, that's not very, you don't want him running between the tackles. Add Desmond True front corner. From um, the Lions to kind of offset the loss of Fuller, definitely not equal value there. Added Mario Edwards and then also the lineman from the Seahawks, Effetti. Uh, probably the biggest move, though, is however they franchise tagged Allen Robinson. Alex, is there any other additions that you liked that they made or any other, maybe not like, but that uh, are worth mentioning? Marquise Goodwin, he's kind of one I kind of have to, he's one of those guys that he has so much potential to be so great, but he just never is that great. Um, and they need a weapon. So maybe, you know, it's worth taking a flyer. He doesn't have to be all word or anything like that. Maybe they take a flyer on him. Maybe he actually gives them some type of production. But that's one I kind of had me raising my eyebrows at. Yeah. Um, moving on to losses. What are some of the major losses that the Bears had that uh, they're going to feel? Or maybe ones you want to mention? Oh, the MVP, uh, Mitch Tubbs, um, obviously. Um then we also talked about their, their turnover at the tackle position with losing Bobby Massey and Charles Leno, uh, both going to Washington or Denver, respectively. Brent Irvin, he's kind of one – I think he was PFT said he's one of the top five interior run defenders, so they kind of lost a little bit of that there with death with him. And then, obviously, Kyle Fuller, they actually had to cut him so they could sign Andy Dalton. So they already were having problems at cornerback, but they're having to cut him to make room for Andy Dalton who obviously you don't know whether he's going to be the long-term starter, obviously, because they just drafted a quarterback. Yep. Uh, all right, so the transactions that you liked and didn't like, Alex, I'll go first. The transaction that I liked, maybe I'm kind of crazy, but I, I actually kind of liked the Annie Dalton one. Um, I don't think it's fair to put everything onto Justin Fields. I think it's also not fair to expect the Bears to win a Super Bowl this year. 
there's no chance it's going to happen. Sorry. I think what you're looking for is good development on the roster and you're looking for fields to have good development with the team and chemistry, maybe at the expense of your coach and GM, but as a fan, as long as they don't completely mortgage your future, which they're kind of doing, uh, I think you should just expect some kind of good progression. So I think any doll allows fields to learn the playbook better, uh, not get thrown into the deep end, give him some kind of, you know, learning experience, someone to ba- bounce everything off of. Andy Dolan's only there for one year. So I think it's a great signing for just being a one-year stopgap uh, to allow Justin Fields to learn from uh, and, and kind of start when he's kind of more ready to start. I think throwing him in the fire right now is a terrible idea. Um, but, yeah, so Alex, for me, I think that's the transaction I liked the most for the Bears out of the ones they've made. Is there one that you like the most? That's having Jenkins draft pick. Um they definitely tell Jenkins, I think, is going to be one of those dogs that, that tackle, one of those main street dog guys. He's just going to absolutely be mean against defensive players, kind of set a tone. He's got beers written all over him. So I'm always happy when teams decide they're going to think about protection before they look at anything else. So I think that was a good pick. All right. Uh, transactions you didn't like, Alex, I'll go first. The thing I didn't like was one that didn't happen or maybe did happen. Allen Robinson being franchise tagged. Uh, I get your franchise tagging to keep him, but why aren't you signing him to a contract? He's literally maybe your most talented player outside of Khalil Mack on your team. He's rated as the fifth best wide receiver in all football. He always gets a ton of targets. They throw him 150 targets a year. He can only catch maybe 100 of them because the quarterback placement is so bad. His whole career, not just from Jacksonville, but his whole career coming over to the Bears also. Give the dude the money he deserves. Give him a quarterback hopefully Justin Fields can help him out but I just hate the fact that they're not signing him and paying him um and you know and he's getting older too so they're kind of screwing him over so he's probably what coming up on 28 years old now so uh, you know he's his window's closing and when he can kind of maximize his value so I just don't like that I hope they really I hope they reward him I hope he gets to stay Chicago Bear what about you Alex what transaction did you like the least talk about transaction that didn't happen them keeping their front office and their head coach um, we all know that they're they're hanging in limbo. Um, they obviously didn't do a great job of getting Mitchell Trubisky of uh, being a franchise quarterback. And now that I saw him in the game um, in the preseason, kind of starting to make me scratch my head and say, maybe it wasn't Mitchell Trubisky. Maybe it was the Bears coaching staff. So um, they're making a lot of short-term decisions that long-term won't be beneficial to the franchise. You don't allow – a front office or head coach be these lame ducks going in because they start doing desperate moves. Now, obviously, them trading for a next year pick uh, for Justin Fields, that actually made sense. But you had to cut Kyle Fuller to pick up Andy Dalton. You know, I understand. I, I like to pick up, but the fact is you made a short-term decision trying to save your job, trying to back in that, and you just don't allow that. When that happens, those, those particular regimes do things that might mess up your team for the future. Yeah, I agree with you on that one. Uh, let's move on to the cap, talking cap space for the Bears. Uh, this year they have $5 million. Next year they got $37 million. Uh, they got some money that can come off the books uh, next year. They also still have Nick Foles' contract for another year or so. Um, and he's, <laughs> I think he's getting paid $10 million next year. Um, and they can't really cut him because they can only save $3 million of that $10 million, So it's kind of unfortunate. But um, – the guy, I guess, a good thing is with the uh, once they two quarterbacks come off between him and Andy Dalton, that's about a combined fifteen million coming off their books. 
and Justin Fields is on a rookie contract. Um, so that will help them cap wise. So you got 37 million pay on Robinson. Give me a break. There's no excuse. Let's move on to uh fantasy talk with the bears. Andy Dalton, uh, he played 11 games last year. He started nine for the Cowboys. The last seven games of the season is when he really got comfortable where he averaged 17.3 fantasy points per game. That number would put him at number 19 in points per game ahead of Fitzpatrick and Carr and Stafford. Uh, the question is, though, is there any reason you would draft him? Uh, because if you draft him, he's got to be like your third option in a one quarterback league be- just because you don't know the kind of longevity of what he's going to do. So, Alex, would you rather draft Dalton knowing he's going to play early on or would you draft Justin Fields hoping for later on that you can catch lightning in a bottle? I mean, if you put the gun to my head, I would draft Fields, but I wouldn't draft either of them. Um, I think, you know, you can definitely find better options in standard leagues. Now, if you want to maybe get and pick them up, one of those guys up off for free agency, they kind of have as your backup quarterback because COVID hits. COVID is a real thing. Um, we've already seen COVID outbreaks right now. So maybe you might lose your quarterback to COVID. Okay. They're nice to pick up, you know, for weekly plays here and there, but I wouldn't want to draft either of them, at least until I get a sure thing and when Fields is coming in. Yeah, of those like five or six rookie quarterbacks, where would you draft him in in that? Because I don't. To me, Lawrence and um, Wilson are definitely ahead of him. Uh, then you have you know Mac Jones, and you have him, and you got uh, Trey Lance. Would you draft him ahead of Trey Lance and Mac Jones, or no? Um, I would probably have him in the Trey Lance kind of area because you don't know when they're going to kind of start. Um, so they probably be kind of neck and neck. I think Mac Jones is going to start a lot earlier than most people think. Um, I think one of the younger quarterbacks that you might want to think about, maybe not draft him, but there's something you would pick up, maybe Davis Mills because Texans are going to be terrible. So Maybe you take a flyer on Davis Mills and put him on the bottom of your branch and hope a Tyrod Taylor sucks for the first couple of weeks. But I would put him probably around, you know, the same where Trey Lance is. Yeah. All right. Moving on to running back, David Montgomery. He was the number seven running back last year, over 1,000 yards rushing, eight touchdowns, 54 catches, two touchdowns. The last six of the games of the season, he had 20-plus points every single game. So he looked phenomenal. However, Alex, I think he's one of those guys that's, kind of red flag that I, I would stay away from drafting um, unless you got him at a, at a, a place that makes a lot of sense. I don't think he is a top number seven running back. I don't think he's a top 10 running back. Uh, you got Williams that came over from the chiefs as kind of like to help him kind of offset some carries and Tariq Cohn's going to come back and steal some, a couple carries, probably more so a lot of the catches. Uh, last year, Montgomery was literally the only running back in the backfield towards the second half of that season. So, um, I think he's going to be an outside of top 10 running back. Alex, do you agree with me? And if you agree with me, how far do you think he falls outside the top 10? Yeah, I agree with you. He might be a low end two, um, maybe two or three, because you have to go back to previous season when Tariq Cohen was there. They kind of used Tariq Cohen to kind of be that third down, third quarter, fourth quarter running back. So when they were down, they used to run it with Tariq in, in the third and fourth quarter, throw him a lot of balls. So, if David Montgomery does get his, his his yards in the first half, a lot of times, historically, Tariq kind of turned to Tariq a little bit more. So 
I can see him kind of being like a TD or kind of a receptions a vulture from that. So um, do I think he's a top 20 running back? Uh, yeah, I right around there, closer to 20, but I wouldn't take him as RB1 at all. And if you take him as RB2, you know, it's one of those same situations where you got locked in there and you just blew off the running backs that are better. All right, let's move on to wide receivers. Allen Robinson was number 13 last year, 102 catches, 1,250 yards, six touchdowns at 16.4 fantasy points per game. However, he was number, like I said, the number 13 wide receiver, but he had the third most targets um, in all of football. So that's kind of uh, not a good thing uh, because when you have that many targets, you should really have a lot more catches. With him, hopefully having Dalton as a better, I'd say Dalton is probably the best quarterback he's ever played with. Um, and Fields will probably be an upgrade. Fields has some decent accuracy. Um, I think Allen Robinson can improve. I think he can break into the top 10. Um, Alex, where do you kind of see Allen Robinson? I, I have him kind of as a low-end one, wide receiver one. Um, an extremely solid wide receiver two. That's kind of being uh, very... You know, if you're drafting late, maybe you're trying to go wide receiver, wide receiver, or something like that in a snake draft. Uh, maybe that's where you take him. But wh- what do you uh, think about Allen Robinson this year for fantasy? Yeah, I'll see him as a low end one. The thing about it is, he's a you know he's going to get the the targets and he's a PPR um, magician. This is going to be I think about Allen Robinson. He's not going to get you the explosive yards. So I mean, he's going to get the targets, but we're not talking about you know ten catches for. 180 yards or something like that. It's going to be 10 catches for 100 yards. You know what I'm saying? So, I mean, he's going to be right in that that 10-ish to 13-ish kind of ballpark area. So I think he's definitely worth being an RB1, especially if you pass on a lot of things. Quarterback's not going to matter me, Allen Robinson. He's like D-Hop. You could have a somebody off the street decide to throw him the football. He's going to catch 100 balls any way it goes. I think Allen Robinson is one of those guys where if you can get him in the, in the second and third round, you have a strong wide, uh, running back uh, with your first pick. It, it, that's the perfect place to take Allen Robinson, um, a solid running back first. You know, in the second round, if you get him a third round, that's where the I think that's he's a real steal is a third round. Take two running backs first, maybe have Allen Robinson be your uh, number one wide receiver. All right, uh, let's talk about their other wide receiver, uh, Darnell Mooney. He averaged almost 10 fantasy points per game, uh, and that was with a uh, competition with Anthony Miller, who's now gone. But he's now the clear-cut number two wide receiver this year. Last year, he did have 98 targets, so he will get passes thrown his way. Um, I, I kind of have him as a sleeper for a uh, maybe something you want to take. I'm stashing your bench and see how he pans out as a, as a flex wide receiver number three. Alex, what do you think about Mooney and his potential? You mean uh, Jalen Ramsey's daddy? Yeah, that guy. That guy. Okay. Yeah, I think he's 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 your three. He's one of those things where you you solidify your number one and number two wide receiver, and you kind of take him with the uh, depending on type of uh, gameplay. Especially we talked earlier about COVID. You might lose your wide receiver. Um, you're definitely going to have some games where you, you, some weeks where you're going to have to play your number three, and number four. I think Mooney's worth that. Um, he, he got the, the volume last year. Um, the yards and the points on the touchdowns kind of – I wish it was a little bit more. But back to what you said, Anthony Miller's not going to be there. Um, they really don't have a number three, solid three wide receiver. That's why they signed Marquise Goodwin. 
And um, so that's going to be the, the thing going forward. So, but yeah, I think he's worth a number three and number four wide receiver. Uh, tight end for the Bears. They have Jimmy Graham and Cole Komet. Um, Komet is obviously the the kind of the tight end of the future. However, he still is sharing with Jimmy Graham. Uh, maybe Komet is better in sleeper league or as a sleeper in bigger leagues, but uh, you know he's not going to be a top ten tight end. I know he got some targets toward the end of the year. Don't get misled by that. Um, I, I just have a hard time seeing him jump up dramatically to be a top ten tight end. Um, he hasn't shown enough consistency. He hasn't got enough target shares for it. Uh, and tight ends so hard to kind of predict that, you know, try to get yourself one of the solid tight ends that, in my opinion, get a solid tight end that is going to get you your 10 points a game and, and be comfortable with that unless you have one of the top three tight ends. So I'd say stay away from the tight ends. Uh, moving on to the defense side, the Bears, I think, had the 16th uh, best defense in football last year. Um they had uh, 10 interceptions, 35 sacks. Alex, is there going to be some kind of regression with losing Fuller? Do you think they, they potentially drop from more than 16? Because I think they have Eddie Goldman coming back. They didn't have him last year. So that, you know, they're bringing at least a defensive lineman back. Their front, you know, defensive front is pretty good. Raquan Smith is pretty good. Uh, or, you know, actually is really good. The cornerbacks scare the crap out of me, Alex. Um, what do you think about their defense? Are they going to drop from being more than number 16, or can they hold about league average fantasy-wise? I think they're going to hold up. I'm with you about the cornerback situation. I think there's a good chance they'll probably give a little bit up because of their secondary. But looking at their sacks last year, they had 35, and their second supposed to be their second-best pass where Robert Quinn only had two sacks. I think he's going to have more next year. And Cleo, Cleo Mack, he only had nine, which isn't that, which isn't crazy, but I think he killed Cleo Mack used to having mid teens. So I think sack wise, I think they're going to go up. So yeah, they'll probably give up some, maybe you know, a couple more fantasy points as far as touchdowns are concerned. But I think depending on your scoring in your league, I think their, their, their sacks are going to go up. So I'd say net probably even, um, but I definitely think there's still a defense that you definitely still want to draft. Yeah, uh, Khalil Mack, he had eight, nine last year. He had eight and a half the year before that. Um, you know, he's never really pushed the 20-sack numbers like he's seen some of the other big names, I mean, especially for how much hype he gets as a, being a dominant player. Uh, he, he gets usually about 10. Uh, I guess you'd expect more from him. But, yeah, hopefully he you brings know, back I, a little bit more. You know, I, I had someone, and I don't have the article to give him the credit for it, uh, somebody actually did some work in the last couple of years and just noticed that there's a trend that the sack numbers have actually gone down. So uh, if you're a betting man, you probably say Cleo Max probably going to stay around eight or nine if the stack numbers all across the league are completely going down. So um, that's something to watch out for. Yeah, that's uh, definitely true. Um, let's move on, and we're going to go uh, talk about the Packers now. Um Packers last year were 13 and three. They had the actually the best roster in football uh, in terms of grades. So they performed as they should. They were first in points scored, 13 in points allowed. They played six games against playoff teams. So that's really not a lot. Um, so maybe that's why they were so successful. But they went four and two those games. They lost in the playoffs to the Bucks by five. But Alex, that, I mean, there was some questionable coaching that game. There's some questionable quarterback play in that game. The, the Packers could have definitely won that game against the Bucs, just like Washington could have won the game against the Bucs, unfortunately. 
but this is obviously clear cut a super or bust year, Alex. Right? This is this is the farewell slash revenge tour for for Aaron Rodgers. Is there anything else you see this year as for for the Packers and Aaron Rodgers? Oh uh, yeah, they they know it. Um, they basically had to agree to that for Aaron Rodgers to come back this year. He wasn't coming back unless he had some type of guarantees, either his contract to either he's going to be looking at getting traded next offseason or he's getting cut so he can just go find another team. But, yeah, this is uh, – and he, I think he posted – him and Devontae Aarons posted the last dance picture with Michael Jordan and uh, Scottie Pippen. So uh, they're planning on doing a last dance in football. Yeah, I love, I love how people were trying to figure out what that meant, what that little meme – and it was just clear cut. That's exactly what it means. Last last dance. Um, let's talk about some of the additions they made, Alex. Some of the draft picks they made, or uh, what were the draft picks that you liked and uh, maybe didn't like that they made? Well, the first round pick, Eric Stokes. That's got to be the one that kind of comes stands out. Um, we weren't obviously crazy about the pick. I thought he was more closer to being in the second or third round. But when you think about it, the 29th pick is really you're picking a second rounder. But when you think about this, you got Jair Alexander. You just need to have somebody on the other side that's just completely not just terrible. I mean, that guy on the other side is going to be the person who's going to get the majority of the throws to his way. So I can't too much blame him for the Stokes draft pick. Josh Myers, they lost Lindsey in free agency, so they definitely needed a center right now. Uh, Amari Rogers, I think, is a very slept-on, underrated wide receiver that I think Aaron Rodgers would love. But, however, um, looks like he's going to be put at the bottom since they did some more acquisitions as far as filling that slot corner position. All right, some of the additions that they had. Uh, they re-signed Aaron. I mean, they really just re-signed their players. I didn't really see a lot of additions coming in from other teams but they re-signed Aaron Jones uh, to a, a decent, a good contract. Uh, King, they brought back the corner, uh, even though they drafted a corner. Tanyan, I think, was actually uh, given a new contract. And then the one from outside, they brought back Randall Cobb as a peace offering to Aaron Rodgers. Is there any other additions that you saw uh, that the Packers made? That's basically it. They did, their Packers are historically known for being a big free agency team. They usually re-sign their own or draft. Yeah, that's why when what two years ago or whatever when they signed both of the Smiths uh, to big contracts, that was kind of a, a weird thing to see. Um, for uh, departures, Alex, what are some of the major departures uh, that they're going to feel uh, that that you're tracking? Uh, Corey Lindsay, I talked about earlier um, in the podcast. Um, he he went to the Chargers, kind of really helping out their young quarterback. Uh, we also talked about Jamal Williams going to the Lions. He kind of was that kind of second uh, second backup running back. But when you think about it, they drafted um, Dylan in the draft the previous year, so they really didn't really lose anything in that regard. And then Tim Bull, um, who's the backup quarterback, who probably would have been the starter if Aaron Rodgers decided he wasn't going to return to uh, the Packers this year. All right. What transaction did you like um, the most? Because I, to me, the one – I don't know. I, I, I for me, it was kind of like it was the Randall Cobb thing, um, but I'm just kind of upset. Like as for the GM, like why, like why are you waiting till he's 37 years old to actually when he's threatening to leave and it's been this much blown up that this is the moment where you guys go, oh, let's do something to help him. Let's bring back someone that's past their prime and injured all the time to make him happy instead of actually making real efforts to work you know, with Aaron Rodgers, I, I think he's earned his due there being there that long. Um, 
kind of like even with Russell Wilson being a Seattle, I think Russell Wilson's at the point of his career where he's there that long, where he has an input. I don't think someone like Deshaun Watson, this is my personal opinion, has been there long enough to earn that input. He's only been there a couple of years. I really feel like you have to really earn these inputs. And I think Aaron Rodgers is one of those people that has been there long enough to earn an input. So I, I just, I put, I liked it, but at the same time, it pisses me off about the GM. So Alex, is there, is there a transaction you like the most? I got a theory. You'd like to hear it. I don't have a choice. I'd love to hear it. This is why franchises should have ownership. Listen me out. Right now they have basically a president person in charge of running operations, which in, in theory sounds like a very sound business decision. But if you had an ownership right now who could be in there to kind of be the, the middle head between it, go to the um, front office and say, hey, we're not going to screw over our franchise quarterback, get it done, that generally would be happening. But we've seen it twice. We've seen it with, with Brett Favre and we're seeing it with Aaron Rodgers. And if Jordan Love plays as long as he plays, we're going to see it with Jordan Love if he's any good, as good as those two. But – I've been thinking about it. It was like, you know, everyone kept saying, hey, Green Bay is the, the as a fan, it's a great situation. You don't have an owner. The team, you know, is run by the Green Bay town. However, you don't have a particular owner who could stand up and say, hey, guys, let's not screw over the star player. Let's help the star player out. Instead, you have some vice presidents, presidents who are businessmen who are trying to kind of show that, hey, you're just the help. You're not anything important. What you think about that? I, I think I like it, except for my one flaw to that whole thing is two words: Tom Brady. Um, mm. That's that's the only that's the only counterpoint I have because when I think about all these other quarterbacks, they have been taken care of by their team for the most part. I mean, you see like Drew Brees, that that connection with the city and everything they kept him. Big Ben, he's had adversity, which some people may not want to keep him. They've kept him over all the water receiver talent. They've even kept him through his you know, current contract status, um, you, you know, and, and then you see how the Tom Brady situation played out where even the owner didn't want him to, to go. But at the same time, maybe the coach was there for so long that the coach is the one that gets more uh, credibility than the quarterback. Cause you know, the coach should out, out survive the quarterback. So I, my only, yeah, my only counterpoint is, well, what, you know, the bucks didn't take care of Tom Brady. Um, but I, I agree with you. Um, I, you know, it is kind of a cool concept for what the Packers are doing. Because um, don't get me wrong, every single one of us that live in Green Bay, if we were a Packers fan, I would be all for buying shares and being invested in the team like that because that's just a cool concept to have. So I think there's two parts to it. Um, I, I feel like that there should be a, a like a, a vote button, kind of like, you know, like for like, well, I don't know, like American Idol or whatever they do, like some of these shows, like like everyone gets like to pick if you're like have a, an ownership, you have a button that says yes or no. And it's kind of <laughs> like if they like the, what the GM did, it's kind of like the thumbs up, the thumbs down and gladiator, right? Like everyone yeah. should have a vote and a cumulative would be like, I do not like what you're doing and we should collectively be allowed to vote on removing the the current president. Like I, I think that would be an awesome kind of situation to be in. Uh, I would not want to be the president because obviously you're not going to make everyone happy every single year. But um, I think there's got to be something like that because it's, yeah, I, I agree with what you're saying. Um, it, they should be taking care of them better. And for all we know, what's going to end up happening is Jordan loves going to be the next coming of Aaron Rodgers and Brett Favre and, we're all going to forget about this and <laughs> if that actually happens. So, um, all right, let's move on to transactions. We'd like the least Alex. I'll just let you answer this one. Is there a transaction that you liked the least for the Packers? Uh, I'm just going to go ahead and say, pick it back off of your, what you're saying. They should have took care of Aaron Rodgers. 
I mean, let's let's be honest. He wanted to stay there. He wanted to be taken care of. I don't care what anyone says. He would have. He would stay long term if there were some concessions made. If there were some situations that he'd be able to put an input in a little bit more. That's all he wanted. He just quarterbacks sometimes kind of can be prima damas, but they're worth it. Just just coddle him. Just stroke his hair. Let him know he's the he's the he's your son and you love him. And his bum is better than anyone else's. That's all you have to do. But for some reason, they wanted to make sure they let the whole world know that we run this team and no other player is higher than our franchise. So that's my my issue. That was the whole issue of their whole free agency. The whole offseason was about Aaron Rodgers. Who cared about the draft? Who cared about who they resigned and didn't sign? It was about Aaron Rodgers. How can you screw that yeah, I, I, you know, and people talk about Aaron Rodgers and how he's going about it, and some people don't like how he's carrying himself and going about his way, but at the same time, like, has Aaron Rodgers ever really been like this in the past? Uh, I don't remember him ever being like this, so I feel like there's been a lot of buildup for him to get to this point. Um, and when you're 37 years old and you want to kind of control your last couple of years, I I completely understand what he's doing. I, I think he's in the position where he should, be able to, he should be allowed to control his destiny when he has got a couple of peaks here left, and then if, you know, if the team doesn't see what they're not on board with what he wants to do. I, I think he should be entitled to go do what, you know, I pay the man and go right out his last couple of years somewhere else, try to win another championship. And the Packers should appreciate everything he's done for them. Um, I think the whole uh, Tom Brady, Lily getting off his couch and going to like one of the worst franchises in Tampa Bay. It was like, Hey, Tampa, you want to win the Super Bowl? Yeah. And then that just happened. I think that just absolutely probably floored him. Like you gotta be kidding me. Yeah, it's that simple. It's that easy. Like, <laughs> we have this huge process to get teams ready for the year. We have all these coaching staffs. We have all these things to, as a team, you have to get collectively ready. And then Tom Brady just ups and leaves his team that he's been the most dominant dynasty potentially in any sports franchise and just goes to the Bucks and just wins a championship. Like, it's nothing. And then rides around in jet skis throwing Super Bowl trophies around. Like, you got to be kidding me. It's insane. Mm-hmm. Um, so let's move on to the cap situation. Uh, this year they have 13 million free. However, the big issue is next year they have 45 million in the hole. Um, a part of that, obviously, that 45 million, they're 45 negative 45 million next year already. And Aaron Rodgers counts for 46 million as cap number. However, they can only save 19 million of his money. The the Packers next year financially are going to be in a bad position. Yes, they can restructure some contracts. However, there's only so many restructures that you can do. Cause I even think David Bakhtiari got a restructure done, I think this year or last year. Um, and there's yeah. not a lot of people that can, they can cut just to free up money. So. Um, yeah. Bakhtiari, he got a, a new kind of restructure deal last year. And then Trent Williams got a new deal. And I think he got a, like, I think literally a dollar over what Bakhtiari got and he was pissed off about it. <laughs> Yeah, so back to Ari makes 22 next year, 26 the following year, and 30 the year after that. Um, and, you know, it's one of these things we keep warning about. Careful about how you many times you restructure because Aaron Rodgers leaving, that's a dead cap hit that they're going to be eating. So if they trade with the Broncos, yes, you have Jordan Love. Um, you're going to need draft picks because you're going to be in the hole, even with Aaron Rodgers. I think that's going to put you – you're still going to be at uh, minus $25 million after Aaron Rodgers leaves your team next year. Um, it's going to be scary because they haven't drafted well in the last two drafts. I mean, we'll see because you don't ever know what about a draft pick. Draft picks is probably to the third year. But their last two drafts just haven't been like 
they haven't gone out and drafted a bunch of like deep players. They're going to be, you know, guys they're going to love. They're going to be there for the next two or three years. They're drafting guys that are probably going to be cut in a year or two. So they're going to be in that hole. And I don't know if they're going to have enough talent to be able to pull themselves out just with young contracts. Yeah. Because especially when you think about last year, they used a first round pick on Jordan Love. <laughs> so that that's wasting your first round potential. Your second round pick was on AJ Dillon. You already had Jamal Williams and you, you know, he's gone. Yes. But you have Aaron Jones who just paid handsomely. Uh, and then the year before that, you know, Rashawn Gary, who's kind of slowly turning into something. Darnell Savage uh, was drafted. Elton Jenkins. I mean, they have some okay people, but nothing has really stood out to be that great. I think that, that the draft last year is really what's going to screw them over. AJ Dillon has some potential. He, he did look good, but you know, that's, you didn't, that's not a position of need that you, you needed to do. Um, all right, let's move on to the fantasy. Uh, so last year, Aaron Rodgers, the number four quarterback, Alex, 4,299 passing yards, 48 touchdowns, only five interceptions, three rushing touchdowns. He only had four games all year with less than three touchdowns. Alex, I know you had him on your fantasy team. That's insane because he has not had these kind of numbers in several years now. He's only had three years throwing over 40 touchdowns, 2011, 2016, and last year. Um, so, you know, you hit, you, hit, you hit the jackpot with Aaron Rodgers and, and you know, his, what he did last year. Uh, I don't be, – the fact that he's only had these years three times in his whole career, yes, he's a great quarterback – I expect him to drop back outside the top five just for regression numbers of, you know, he's never had that kind of year before. Alex, do you think that's accurate that he's going to drop out of the top five or do you think he's going to hold, hold strong in the top five just because it's a revenge tour kind of year? Oh yeah. I I, I think he's going to drop, but I don't think he's going to drop significantly. So um, I, I think the main thing with Aaron Rodgers, which I love having, having had Ben Roethlisberger and Pip Rivers, as fancy quarterbacks, he doesn't turn the ball over a lot. So a lot of times you have these quarterbacks that put up great numbers and it's like, hey, you you know, you threw for all these yards this game, but you had three interceptions. Um, Aaron Rodgers just doesn't throw picks. So I think the 48 touchdowns, I think that may be his greatest year unless he goes to another team and, he, you know, they redo things over again. I expected him to have gotten better in the second year because this is his second year in Matt LaFleur's uh, – Last year was second year in Matt LaFleur's offense, so I expected him to play a little bit better. Well, hence why I drafted him. Um, but I don't, I don't, I can't see him going close to fifty touchdowns, even in an extra year this year. So, I think the only reason I think he could drop to maybe six, maybe six, because if Watson doesn't play, that's one behind him. But I think Murray could pass him this year, and I think. Lamar Jackson could pass him if he Lamar Jackson goes back to having the year, the year he had the year before. Um, so, yeah, I, I think that's kind of where you could see Aaron Rodgers drop to maybe six or seven, but I don't think he's going to drop much more farther than that. Aaron Jones he's last year, they were running he's back. He's definitely going to be one of those quarterbacks that you're in the draft. People are going to overdraft him. So if you're out there, be aware of that. Oh, I can't wait for the auction draft we have this weekend, Alex. I'm putting him up there so quick. I'm putting all these people up that I'm not going to take just see how and just see how much of the money they go for or how high they go. Um, Aaron Jones, the number five running back last year, uh, even though he was in a committee, kind of. Um, I mean, the Jamal Williams and A.J. Dillon had carries last year, but he still had 1,100 rushing yards, nine touchdowns, 47 catches, 355 yards, and two touchdowns for 18.5 fantasy points per game. He missed two games to injury. 
but I think he's a surefire lock as a uh, right outside your top end uh, tier one running backs. I think your top end running backs are probably going to what be CMC, Kamara, Cook, Henry, and Zeke is probably your top. And right after that, you maybe have Saquon Barkley and Aaron Jones is that kind of that second tier. Um, do you think that he can be a number five running back again? Because I think that I think he was higher than uh, than Zeke last year. So, Alex, do you think he can hold true to be a number five running back again? I don't know about number five, but I think he's going to be still in that area. Aaron Jones, I've had a couple um, drafts where he's one of those you hope to get in running back number two. You hope not to have to get him in running back one. He's kind of in that in-between where he's not that top tier. We talked about it, but he's going to give you great value after that top 10. So you kind of, if you're doing a snake draft, and sometimes some leagues you might play with guys who think wide receivers are more important at the time. So maybe you stick out if you you maybe steal one of the top five running backs and then you come back and maybe steal Aaron Jones because he slept on. Um, but I think he, I think obviously he's a top 10 running back. I think he should be, you know, he should go as the RB1 for most um, leagues. But I've been in leagues where people kind of look at him like, uh, uh, I'm not going to draft him. And then you're doing a snake draft. say, like, holy crap, Aaron Jones is going to be my RB2 because people aren't really giving him his due. I don't uh, – I think that sounds insane. Uh, maybe before last year, but I don't see how he gets to anyone's RB2. Uh, in a 10-person league, you're going to have – he's going to go at the end of every first round. Um, but, yeah, uh, let's move on to wide receiver. Uh, Devontae Adams last year was number one wide receiver. He had 115 catches, 13, 74 yards, 18 touchdowns at 25.6 fantasy points per game. The next wide receiver is four points – behind him so that was just how good of a year he had um you know know, he has his career hiring catches before last year was only 83 and he's at twice um you know that was his second highest in targets his second highest in yards he's only had two years above a thousand yards so he's only had two really good seasons just like Aaron Rodgers having his phenomenal season last year I think there's another a bit of regression. I think he can fall out of being a top three wide receiver next year, just because I, I just find it hard to believe he's going to be that dominant with 18 touchdowns again, Alex. So how far do you think of a regression there is for Devontae Adams, or do you think he can be number one wide receiver again? There's no way he's going to put up the numbers he did last year. I mean, if he does that, he truly is as, as good as advertised. He had 18 touchdowns last year, man. That is, that's insane for a wide receiver. Um, I think uh, I would I expect him to get next to 120 to 140 targets. He had 149 targets last year. So he's definitely going to be the focal point. Um, do I think he's going to be a top two wide receiver, top three? No. But top five, top seven, he'll still put up the numbers. But the, the touchdowns, the amount of touchdowns he had last year was was pretty doggone high. I think Aaron Rodgers is probably going to spread it around a little bit more and more than that. All right, so I'm going to ask you, if he's not top three, who do you have ahead of him? Diggs and Hopkins, right? Yeah, Diggs and Hopkins. And who Who's the third receiver that we put ahead of him? Tyree Kill? Hmm. Diggs, Hopkins, Hill. I mean, Ridley's up there. Um, I think because I, you know, I don't see him being worse than the fourth best wide receiver next year. 
Yeah, I would probably put Hill up there. Um, trying to think off the top of my head. Also was the one that went out on the limb and said earlier in the podcast that Jefferson is going to be top five. So, yeah, <laughs> I mean, I got to put my, put my money where my mouth is. I mean, technically, uh, I said that. So, I guess him and Devontae Adams is going to be battling out who's top five, top four, top five. So, yeah, I guess that. But uh, I, but that's – I think. Yeah. I think his ceiling would, or not ceiling, his floor would be five or six this year at worst. So, you know, that's a way to look at it. And, you know, we're just throwing out predictions. So, yeah, I just think there's some regression. You know, I think there is a potential that he could drop a couple spots. Uh, you know, someone like even like Calvin Ridley wouldn't surprise me if he ended up being number one wide receivers here just with no Julio Jones and just the target share of the amount of passes that he's going to be getting. I mean, he had 143 targets, which is only five less than Devontae Adams. So it's but there's potential where someone someone else can jump up. It's it's hard to have someone be the, the top one every single year. Uh, let's move on to tight end. I'm not going to talk about any other wide receivers, the Packers, because Adams is so dominant. Uh, you know, we're, we're talking just a common theme of regression for the Packers, and I, we and I, we're not saying that all these are going to regress a lot. I think we just are kind of realistic that these are career years that all these players had. It's hard to. Do that again. Yes, they're on the same team together. So, yes, it's possible. Um, however, they play a tougher schedule next year compared to last year. Uh, but Tani in the tight end was number six tight end. Came out of nowhere. Um, I picked him up. I loved it. 52 catches, 586 yards, but 11 touchdowns. Once again, not able to maintain 11 touchdowns on only 52 catches, especially at a tight end. I think he's going to drop to being outside of top 10 tight end. Um, I don't think he's going to be a bad tight end. I just would stay away from drafting him very high. I, I think 11 touchdowns is, I'm not saying it's unrealistic. I just don't think you should expect it to happen again because these things, it's hard to, to repeat these kind of things. Alex, do you agree or disagree? Yeah, yeah. He, he had a career here. I don't, I don't think he's going to get better or even put up the same. Um, yeah, outside the top 10 um, is what I expect. I know they drafted Jay, Jay Sternberger. Um, He's obviously tight end three right now, um, but I know just how franchises are. They kind of want to get the young guys who they don't pay a lot of money the ball. So would I expect them to kind of try to spread the tight end room out a little bit? Yeah, I, I would expect that. Yeah, I remember Tony, that was his third year, so he's going to his fourth year. Before this year, he had a combined 14 catches total for two touchdowns. So, um Aaron Rodgers kind of turned him into what he was, and we'll see if he can maybe improve in that. Well, and you never know. Maybe he maybe he does to kind of turn the corner and ends up being consistent, and it could be a great steal. But uh, for me, I would just kind of be cautious uh, just because of the amount. 11 touchdowns is just so tough. Uh, let's talk about Packers defense. They were the 10th defense, 11 interceptions, 41 sacks. They were the top half of every defensive category, and they really didn't lose anyone, Alex. So do you think that they can uh, – move up the defensive rankings a little bit this year? I don't know about moving up, um, but like kind of here looking at their, their sack numbers, different things like that. Um, you have to probably get some really good uh, output from some players that you didn't get from last year. We talked about Rashawn Gary. He was technically the second player on the team with five sacks. Could a uh, gear get better this year? Could he have kind of one of those breakout years and kind of add to the sack numbers? Yeah, I could see that. Um, the secondary is one of those things um, where it's kind of – you don't want to say it's about luck, but interception sometimes about how the ball bounces. So um, I think they're definitely uh, still a top-10 defense. I think they're definitely draftable. 
Um, but I, I, you know, I don't know if they're going to be the top end, top five defense that you want to draft in fantasy. Yeah, Kenny Clark only had two sacks for them last year. He usually gets around six or seven. Um, and then Preston Smith, you know, he's making a lot of money. He, they could, they could definitely cut him next year because they could save money, uh, more money than actually have a dead cap hit by cutting him. He only had four sacks, and you know, they signed him to a lot of money via opposite Zedarius Smith. So um, they need, a, they need a big year from him, or at least something close to what he was doing before he got there. All right, Alex, let's go move over to the over-unders. You ready uh, for us to start talking about where we think the teams are going to finish and how many wins? Yes. Yes, sir. All right, let's 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 move on to the Packers first. Before you give me the over-under, let me just give you kind of a quick recap. And let's uh, let's do our numbers. I'll give you my number first before you give me the over-under just to see and kind of – we'll see how we get more confident with this. But the Packers, uh, last year they played six playoff teams. This year they played ten playoff teams, and they do have a tough schedule. There's only three games that are really for sure cupcake wins, probably two more of the Lions. Um, they have some really big challenges. Uh, they're at San Francisco. They're at Kansas City. They're at the – they have the Rams. They're at Baltimore. They have Cleveland. You know, they're going to play Minnesota twice. They're going to play Chicago twice. Yes, they, they could probably beat them. Um, but I just think, it, uh, you know, they, ha- they have a little bit of a tougher schedule. Uh, this year, they, you know, they also do have Seattle. They have Washington coming to them. Um, so, Alex, I, I my prediction for them is that they are going to finish at twelve and five. So, what is the over under set at for the Packers? Ten even. Ten even. All right. So, yeah, I think you know, with the fact that they didn't lose anything and they went what thirteen and three last year, I think this is a team that I could definitely do that again. Um, my, you know, my 12 wins to five losses, you know, like I said, they play a couple of tough teams with, uh, you know, at San Francisco could be tough. Uh, if the, if the Niners run, which when in the past, when they run, the Packers can't beat them, that could be a loss at Kansas city is going to be an extremely tough game, but they have Seattle and LA coming to green Bay in November when it's going to start getting colder. Uh, they're playing at Baltimore. They have Cleveland coming to them on Christmas day. So those are kind of the, the toughest games. And I, I can see them winning, at least half of those games. So, Alex, what, how many games do you have them winning? Have written down here 13 and 4. So, some of those kind of, you said half those games, I got them winning a little bit more than those half of those games. So, um, I think they're going to be the second seed again this year. Um, they're going to, they're not going to have much of a problem. And, you know, similar to we talked about the last dance with the Bulls, I think this team knows what they're going after. I think they're going to be focused. I don't think there's going to be any games where you say, Man, the Packers, they they didn't bring their A game. They understand their mindset right now is for championship. They've been to two NFC championship games and lost. One they got embarrassed with. The second one, we talked about questionable decision making. Um, I think they're hungry and I think they're 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 gonna be able to be a very good team this year. Yeah, I even put that I wouldn't be surprised if they won 14, but I put 12 just to kind of be, I think, realistic. Um the only, and the only thing that scares me on the Packers is the center. They have a rookie. I think they have a rookie, a really young center coming into play and take over for Lindsley, who's the best center in football. That To me, that's the only real weak spot. And you have Aaron Rodgers there to help. So uh, let's move on to the Bears. I, I, Alex, I have the Bears having one of the toughest road schedules in football. Um, these are the teams that they play uh, at. They play at the Rams. They play at the Browns. They play at the Raiders. They play at the Bucks, at the Steelers, at the Packers, at the Seahawks. That's an insane amount of games on the road against top-end talent. I 
I have a hard time seeing them winning many games on the road. Uh, in, even at home, they ha- at home they are hosting San Francisco, they're hosting Baltimore, and they're hosting Green Bay. I think the Bears are going to have a tough year, not because that they have a lot of talent dropping off. I think the schedule is just brutal that they have. And for that reason, I think this is what's going to help get the GM and coach fired. Uh, I don't think it's going to be a fault of their own. Now, if they survive the schedule, I'd say look out. That means they're a legit contender making a playoff run. But but man, um, I, I think the schedule is brutal. I think it's one of the toughest schedules I've seen. I didn't actually look at the schedule index to see where they ranked. But Alex, I have them winning eight games next year. So I have them finishing eight and nine because of how tough their schedule is. And I, I even put, I think they could win one or two less because of the schedule being tough. What's over under set at? Set at seven and a half. Okay. So yeah. Um, like I said, it, I'm not trying to disrespect the Bears' talent. This schedule is just insane. Uh, what do you have them at? I got them at eight and nine on the dot, too. Yeah. I saw the same thing. Um, and then also I kind of, I kind of had an eight wins, but I kind of like, I'm no, no, maybe I should have went seven or six just because I just really don't know what the quarterback situation is going to be. I don't know where it may be at one of those situations. They fire the head coach and staff early. And then it's kind of like, we're not going anywhere. And you kind of, they're kind of on and off some weeks. Um, but I think they're good enough to win somewhere between seven, eight games. I just put eight, nine down here. So we go got them at the over of seven and a half. Yeah. Uh, the bears have the third toughest schedule um, in, in football. So it's essentially the, uh, the AFC North and NFC North have the toughest schedule in all football looking at, at the, at these numbers here. So, all right, let's move on to the Vikings. The Vikings play against nine playoff teams this year, four games that should be locked in as wins. Um, However, they end the year on kind of a tough schedule. I think they end the year playing against uh, five playoff teams in a row. Uh, so those teams that they end on is the Pittsburgh at the Chicago Rams at Green Bay Bears again. So, you know, that's kind of a, it's going to prove, I think right there is going to show if the Vikings are a playoff team or not. However, uh, they have a stretch of games at the start of the year that are definitely winnable. Um, compared to how they end and definitely compared to the rest of the division. Uh, they're tough games. You know, they have, they, they play the Cowboys, but they get the Cowboys at home. They're at the Ravens, at the Chargers, at San Francisco. They do have the fifth toughest schedule, but I, I'm buying into their offense being good. I'm buying into Zimmer, bring back that defense. I think the Vikings are going, I'm probably going to have a huge, I'm guessing I have a huge over here, Alex, but I have them at 10 wins. Uh, at 10 and seven. And I think that they could make some noise in the playoffs. Uh, like I said, I'm high on the Vikings this year, just because of Mike Zimmer as a coach and the offense retaining the, that's some elite talent coming back. What, what are they set up for the over under? They said at nine even. Okay. So I'm not that too far off. All right. I, I was kind of worried just based on striking schedule, but uh, t- yeah, I have them at 10 wins. What do you have them at? I have them at nine and eight. Um, so we're not too far uh, apart. Um, there's probably one game in there that we probably looked at and say it could go either way. They got a lot of games, I think, in the schedule to kind of kind of go either way. I don't think they're going to be in a situation where they're going to be like this lopsided dog for 17 weeks. I think there are games that they're going to be able to be competitive. So they could anyway go anywhere from 7 and 10 to 11 and 6 to me. Um, but I got them in solid 9 and 8. All right. All right, let's move on to the Lions. 
Lions play nine playoff teams. They have, once again, one of the toughest schedules in football, which is brutal. They have the sixth toughest schedule in football, tied with the Bengals. Sucks for Bengals and Lions fans. I'm sorry. Uh, the pain continues. You just got to look forward towards development. I think the bright spot to look towards is how competitive your team plays. That's kind of what I look forward to as a Niners fan back when we were coming out of uh, Chip Kelly and all that stuff. Um, but, yeah, so I think there's only really about three games they can win. Uh, they play against nine playoff teams. The start of the schedule is they have San Francisco at Green Bay, then Baltimore, then at Chicago, then at Minnesota. They have the the Bengals as a little break, and then they play at the Rams. That's 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 one in six at best, in my opinion. That's that's not good. That's a really bad start uh, that they have to deal with. Alex, I have I don't know if any of the over under is set this low, but I I think three wins is all we can expect from the Lions this year. Uh, is what's the over under at five? Is I'm I'm guessing. They're at four and a half. Okay. Yeah. Um, so I'm I'm gonna say three three wins is where I have them at. What do you have them at? I have them at three wins too. God. Oh man, okay. I looked at their schedule and I was so depressed for Detroit. Like Detroit is a really good city. They don't deserve this. But I looked at their schedule and I'm like, oh my goodness. Like I I was like, because you have to be fair too, because you look we're we're gonna do this for every other team. You kind of look at the Bengal game, and you're like, well, we're going to be picking the Bengals um, too. You kind of look at it and say, <laughs> well, the, the you, you can't say the Bengals are going to win that game, and you can't say Detroit's going to win that game. Somebody's got to win that game, and somebody's got to lose. And, I, I mean, I said three wins, but I don't know if they can get to three wins. I don't either. I mean, and the other thing that I talked about on here is they're playing at Pittsburgh, at Cleveland later in the year. I'm high on the Broncos – they play at the Broncos week 14. I'm, I am I think the Falcons are going to overperform. They play at the Falcons week 16. They play at Seattle week 17. That's a death game. Like you don't go to Seattle. That's no one should be doing that. I'm a Niners fan. No one team should enjoy going to Seattle. And they close out with Green Bay. Like that's, I, I, Alex, there's a part of me that's kind of like, there's a better chance they win zero games and win three games almost. Yes, they can possibly beat the Bengals. Yes, they can maybe beat the Eagles. Outside of those two, yeah, sure, they could give the Broncos and the Cardinals and the Falcons a, a run, but, man, you better be butting a lot of kneecaps. Like, you got to be butting a lot of kneecaps to have a chance. Um, I think three wins is us being generous. So I, I think, man, I, I'm actually tempted to take money on the under right now just because you said it was, what, four and a half? Yeah. we The only, yeah. only hope they have is that Jared Goff was actually the greatest quarterback of all time, and McVeigh was, like, suppressing him, and he comes out and he plays like, the second coming of Tom Brady. I mean, that's the only way I can see them winning more than three games. Oh, but I think God. three games is really generous. Circle this on the counter, Alex. October 24th, week seven, Detroit Lions at the Rams, the Jared Goff game. It's the Jared mm -hmm. Goff Bowl. It's going to be great. All right. Let's wrap this up. So uh, that was episode 30. We just covered the MC North, broke it down. Hopefully you guys appreciate it. Please uh, follow us on our social media. Uh, Listen, share, subscribe, get other people to listen, please. We, we want more listeners. We want more interaction on our page. Uh, Alex, any closing comments? Yeah, if you like us, share us. Um, share the wealth with the rest of the sporting community. If you love us, if you definitely support us, hey, hit the, the share button. Share it with everyone. Share it on Twitter. Share it on uh, IG. Share it on Facebook. Whatever you got it, share it. Let everyone know that you got a great podcast you listen to, and you can listen on in.
And we're starting to get more people involved on the social media part. And also we're going to probably start trying to bring fans in once in a while. We've, we've brought some fans, we got some people coming in and talk about their teams and these divisions. And it is something we would be doing. We wanted this to be more kind of fan centric. So if you want to come on here, just give us a, give us a holler, send one of us a message and we'll see if we can work you guys on here. All right. So thanks for listening guys. Uh, next one we'll be pushing out is AFC North. Uh, Hopefully you guys enjoy this and have a good one.